Hey, hey, young and profiters. Today, we're pulling an episode from the archives and we're replaying my interview with Dr. Stephen Gundry. Dr. Gundry is a cardiothoracic surgeon turned wellness and nutrition expert. And during his 40-year career in medicine, he performed over 10,000 heart surgeries, developed life-saving medical technology, and published over 300 articles on his research. In this episode, Dr. Gundry shares his unconventional dieting advice like cutting out fruit and avoiding certain organic foods. We also talk about the real reason most Americans aren't getting enough nutrients, the root of most autoimmune diseases, and some of the hidden dangers of eating various plants and legumes. I hope this episode encourages you to pay more attention to what you're putting in your body, but make sure you're doing your own research and making your own conclusions about what you put in your body. I wanna make sure that you guys are making your own decisions about what's right for you and your diet. Without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Stephen Gundry. Hey, Dr. Gundry, welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to have you here because it's not too often that we have a medical doctor on the show. So to give my uh, listeners some context of who you are, you've had a really unique career journey. You really have a passion for helping people live healthier, better lives. You worked in medicine for over 40 years as a cardiothoracic surgeon. Hopefully I said that right. (laughs) And a heart surgeon. Close enough. (laughs) And now you focus on something uh, very different. You focus focus on uh, nutrition, helping people change their diet so they can actually avoid surgery down the line. Your nutritional philosophy called The Plant Paradox, you had a series of books that came out, was super popular. It's one of the most well-known nutrition diets out there. And you spend your days teaching patients about diet and nutrition and helping people live longer, healthier lives with your advice and research that you've done on the topic. So tell us, How did you change from surgery, you know, something very invasive, something pretty reactive, into concentrating more on the preventative side with nutrition and diet? Well, I got to go way back to the dark ages when I was an undergraduate at Yale University. And back in those dark ages, we were allowed to manufacture, design our own major. And I had this crazy major in human evolutionary biology, where I had a thesis that I had to defend. And the thesis was you could take a great ape and manipulate its diet and manipulate its environment, and you could prove that what you would end up with is a human being. And I actually defended my thesis and got an honors and then gave it to my parents and went away to medical school and I became a very, a very famous heart surgeon, did more infant and pediatric heart transplants than any surgeon in the world, and became very famous for protecting the heart during heart surgery, became very famous for redo operations, minimally invasive operations, artificial hearts, blah, 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 blah. Became chairman and professor at Loma Linda University School of Medicine for most of my career. And then uh, a little over 20 years ago now, I was uh, confronted with a gentleman that I call Big Ed. And Big Ed, as the name implies, was a very large fellow. He's in his late 40s, and he had inoperable coronary artery disease. Now, what that means is he had so much 
crud in his coronary arteries that you couldn't put stents in them. You couldn't put bypasses in them because there was no place to jump to to do a bypass. And Big Ed had gone around the country to various centers with idiots like me who would normally take people like this on. And everywhere he went, big name centers uh, turned him down saying, you're hopeless. So he'd been doing this for about six months. He's from Miami, Florida. And he arrived at Loma Linda uh, bearing his angiogram, the movie of his heart, um, cardiac catheterization, from six months earlier. And I was looking at his angiogram, and I said, you know, uh, I got to agree with everybody else who's seen you. I'd love to take you on, but they're right. I'm not going to help you. And they're, they're right. He says, well, look, here's the deal. It's been six months since that angiogram, and I've, I've been on a diet, and I've lost 45 pounds. Now, this guy was 265 uh, when I met him, and he says, I've, I've gone to a health food store, and I've, I've taken all these supplements, and he actually had brought in a huge shopping bag full of supplements, and he says, you know, maybe I did something here in, in my heart. And, you know, I'm scratching my professor beard and going, well, you know, good for you for losing weight, but that's not going to do anything. And I know what you did with all those supplements. You, you made expensive urine. Uh, you, you wasted all your money. And, you know, he says, well, look, you know, I've come all the way from Miami. Couldn't we get another angiogram and just, just see? And I go, you know, don't get your hopes up, but okay. So we get a new angiogram, a new cardiac catheterization, and in six months' time, this guy has cleaned out 50% of the blockages in his coronary artery. I mean, gone. And I'd never seen anything like that, never seen, read a report, a medical review of anything like that. So I said, well, wait a minute now. Um, now I'm interested. Tell me about this diet. So he starts talking and, you know, a paragraph in, I go, wait a minute, time out. That's my thesis from college. And I said, that's exactly what I said that humans ate. And, you know, how'd you get my thesis? No. <laughs> and so um, I actually called my parents who uh, lived in San, in San Diego. I said, hey, you know, do you still have my thesis? And they said, yeah, you know, we got it. It's, you know, it's here in the shrine. And I said, well, send it up to me. So in the meantime, I said, well, tell me about these supplements. And he starts pulling them out. And I, I go, oh, my gosh. I was using a number of these supplements to keep hearts alive for 48 hours sitting in a bucket of ice water for transplantation or to resuscitate them. And I was giving them down the veins and arteries. Um, and it never occurred to me to swallow the dumb things. So Big Ed was swallowing a lot of the stuff that I was using to protect the heart. So um, the the irony of all of this is, um, despite being, you know, a very smart heart surgeon, uh, I was a big fat guy. I was 70 pounds overweight, despite the fact that I was running 30 miles a week. Uh, I was doing 5Ks, 10Ks uh, on the weekends. I was going to the gym every day for an hour. And I was eating what was considered a healthy, low-fat diet. And yet I had 
pre-diabetes, I had high blood pressure, I had arthritis, I had to wear braces on my knees to run. And but I was told, well, you know, I had high cholesterol. And I told, hey, it's genetic, you know, you're screwed. So uh, long story short, my parents sent me my manuscript, which I keep right up here, and I put myself on my diet. And I lost 50 pounds my first year, and I started taking a bunch of supplements. And lo and behold, my pre-diabetes went away, my hypertension went away, my arthritis went away, my cholesterol completely flipped normally. And I started putting people I operated on as a professor on my program after I operated on them. And we were starting to see the same things that were happening to me. You know, we, we were throwing away their high blood pressure medication. We were throwing away their diabetes medication. And I did this to prevent them from ever visiting me again for a bypass. And then sadly, about a year into this, uh, looked in the mirror on, on a Friday morning on the way into work. And I said, you know, I, I've actually got this all wrong. I shouldn't operate on people first and then tell them how to avoid me for the rest of their lives. I should teach them how to eat so I'll never have to operate on them. Now, you know, that sounds very altruistic, which it is, but it's really a stupid career move for a heart surgeon <laughs> because even in academics, you can make a pretty nice living as a heart surgeon, but as I subsequently found out, it's uh, almost impossible to make a living teaching people how to eat. Anyhow, I didn't know that then. So I resigned my position at Loma Linda at the height of my career and set up uh, an institute in Palm Springs, which is just down the road from Loma Linda, uh, where I decided to research this. I've been a researcher all my life, and I asked people, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to eat this stuff. I don't want you to eat this stuff. I want to send you to Costco or Trader Joe's, and I want you to buy some supplements. I don't want to sell them to you. And I want to see what happens. We're going to draw blood on you every three months, and insurance will pay for it. Medicare will pay for it. And let's see what happens. And that's actually what started it all. And lo and behold, and I published my research and presented it, and lo and behold, you could document things dramatically changed when you changed foods or even added a, what seems like a silly supplement. And you could, you could see when somebody was taking it or when they stopped it. Yeah. So that's a long-winded how I got here. Well, it's an amazing story. So I appreciate you sharing that. I think people would definitely find that story interesting. Something that I just want to say here is that my father was a general and vascular surgeon. He just actually recently passed away. And uh, later in his life, um, he had something happen with his eye and he couldn't do surgery anymore. And he too also ended up focusing on nutrition. And he was writing a lot of books. He has three books that he never put out that we're going to put out on his behalf about lowering your cholesterol through nutrition. And so I think there might be a trend overall with surgeons realizing that maybe there's something more, uh, you know, to nutrition, to diet that we've been missing all along. And so I really appreciate that the work that you do, and I know how powerful, you know, nutrition can be because all throughout my childhood, I heard all about it from my dad. So uh, really cool stuff. 
you've had so many people benefit from the plant paradox diet, even people like celebrities, Kelly Clarkson, uh, you know, went on your diet. So can you tell us at a high level? Yeah, and so did Usher. So did Usher. Usher? Oh, very cool. Very cool. Can you tell us at a high level what your plant paradox diet is and how does it benefit people in terms of uh, diseases and autoimmune diseases? Yeah, so at the very basis of, of the plant paradox diet, it's the rule number one, it's it's not what I tell you to eat that's very important. It's what I tell you not to eat that actually makes all the difference. And most diets say, you know, eat this, eat this, eat this. And where I start is, okay, there's certain things that really you were not designed to eat that you do not have a good defense system. So plants simplistically, um, actually in reality, don't want to be eaten. Uh, one of the hard things for us to imagine is that plants have a life and they don't want to be eaten and they don't want their seeds, which are their babies, eaten. And they have defenses against being eaten because they can't run and hide. And some of those defenses I focused on, which are called lectins. And lectins have actually been known about for well over 100 years, actually 150 years now. And lectins are sticky proteins. And by that, I mean that they are proteins that look for sugar molecules to stick to, bind to. And those sugar molecules just happen to line our digestive tract, our swallowing tube, our intestines. They line the surfaces of our joints. They line the surfaces of our blood vessels. They even line the spaces between nerves where one nerve talks to another. And not only my research, but many other people's research have shown that lectins disable their predators by attacking one or more of these surface areas. So, I happen to think that leaky gut is the cause of all disease, and I'm not the only one who thinks that. Hippocrates, 2,500 years ago, said all disease begins in the gut. And in fact, behind me, I don't know if you can see it, the road to health is paved with good intestines. So what I found, and based on the work of uh, Dr. Fasano, who's now at Harvard Medical School, he proved that one of the lectins, which is gluten, and most people aren't aware that gluten is a lectin, but it is, gluten causes leaky gut by binding to the sugar molecules in our gut and actually breaks the wall of the gut apart. And others have shown that lectins are the cause of coronary artery disease. I've published two papers to that effect. There's very good evidence that leaky gut, in particular caused by lectins, is a major cause of autoimmune diseases, and I've published a number of papers on that. So when you start looking at these mischievous little guys uh, and then get them out of your diet, uh, all sorts of cool things happen. So what, where are they mostly? Mostly they're in grains. They're actually in the hull of grains. And so that includes wheat, rye, barley, oats. It includes the pseudo grains like quinoa and buckwheat. 
uh, rice, particularly brown rice. And then they're in the nightshade families. They're in potatoes, eggplant, tomatoes, peppers, bell peppers, even goji berries. Goji berries are a nightshade. And they're in beans, beans and legumes. And so those are the major sources for them. And, oh, peanuts, which are actually a bean, and cashews, which are actually not a nut either. Um, That's most of the place where they live. Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. What's up, Yap Bam? Being an entrepreneur and working remotely definitely has its perks. And I know a lot of you listening in are in the same boat as me. But do you really take advantage of being able to work from anywhere? I know I typically don't, but thankfully this past holiday, I finally decided to make use of my work flexibility for the first time ever. My boyfriend and I decided to pack up and leave to the West Coast to spend an entire month working from home in the sun. We got a super cute bungalow in Venice Beach with a fenced backyard. The change in scenery, the fresh air, and the slower pace to help me to inspire some really cool new ideas for my business. And honestly, I'm feeling really refreshed and ready to rock in 2024. And who helped me make these remote work dreams come true? It was Airbnb. And Airbnb has come in clutch for me time and time again. Whether it's finding the perfect Airbnb home for our three-day annual executive team get-together or booking a vacation where my extended family can fit all in one place, Airbnb always makes it a great experience. And you know me. I'm always thinking of my latest business venture and I've been begging my boyfriend to start hosting our place on Airbnb. And finally, we're gonna start. So many of my successful friends host on Airbnb and it's such an amazing way to generate passive income. So to start, we have a plan to start spending more time in Miami and we'll be hosting our place to earn some extra money when we're back on the East Coast. 2024 goals and I'll keep you updated. A lot of people don't realize that they might have an Airbnb right under their own noses. I was pretty surprised myself. You can Airbnb your place or spare room, even if you're out of town for just a few days or weeks. You could do what I did and work remotely somewhere else and Airbnb your place to fund your trip. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host to find out how much your home is worth. Young and profiters, it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. With inspiration at our fingertips and powerful tools at our disposal, the possibilities are endless. And when it comes to tools that can truly make your business grow, there's one name that always stands out, Shopify. (coughs) Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the real store with the door stage, and even the did we just hit a million orders stage. And if you're in that I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts from blog posts to product descriptions. Not to mention Shopify also is the home of the best converting checkouts in the game, 36% better than other leading commerce platforms. Shopify turns browsers into buyers. It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And you can sell whatever, whenever with Shopify. Push pleated pants with Shopify's in-person POS system or monetize mindful meditation. I sell my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass through Shopify and they've made my life a breeze. It took a couple days to set up my store and I just get to focus on what I do best, creating great content and marketing my product. So don't stress if you're new to this commerce thing. Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. 
And remember, whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting, and that's all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash profiting to start growing your business today. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's so many foods that conventionally we're told are good to eat. In long-living populations, they always talk about eating beans. They say that beans can help prevent diabetes and heart health and obesity. And so what do you say to that? Is, is it really black and white? Like, should we just not eat beans at all or, or some of these, you know, peanuts that you're mentioning? What I say is you got to know your enemy and you have to detoxify your enemy. I have beans probably three, four times a week, but I have soaked and pressure cooked beans. And luckily for me and my patients, pressure cooking destroys the lectins in in beans. Soaking contributes to leaching lectins. And also, interestingly enough, if you soak beans properly, they actually ferment. Most people don't know this. The foam that occurs when you're soaking beans is actually fermentation, just like the foam that would occur uh, as beer is fermenting or as wine is fermenting. And fermentation is one of the traditional ways that all cultures have made lectin-containing foods safe to eat. For instance, the Incas soaked quinoa for 48 hours, then they allowed it to ferment, and then they cooked it. And unfortunately, it's not on the package directions. So, so often, and I, I travel the world looking at these long-lived cultures and studying, okay, how'd you do this? And in fact, they all have ways of detoxifying these harmful um, proteins. And by the way, all the blue zones do not eat beans and grains. Uh, that's one of the biggest myths out there. For instance, the Okinawans, the old Okinawans, the modern Okinawans actually are not the oldest living people in Japan anymore. But the older Okinawans, 85% of their diet was a purple sweet potato. 85%. 6% of their diet was fermented soybeans in the, term, in the form of miso. They did not eat tofu. And the other, like 4% of their diet was white rice, not brown rice. So uh, the idea that they're long and healthy because they're eating beans and, and rice is actually not true. Mm, that's so interesting. And I'm glad that you say we can still eat beans because my boyfriend is a vegetarian and he wants bean tacos like three, four days a week. And I'm like, what am I going to eat if beans aren't okay? So you say pressure cooking and soaking them will make them healthy. How about like a can of beans that you find in a store? Since they're soaking, are those okay or not okay? No, it turns out there's only two companies that pressure cook their beans. One of them is Eden, E-D-E-N, and the other one is a fairly new company called Jovial, just like it sounds, a jovial person. And Jovial, not both of those companies soak their beans and then pressure cook them. Both Eden does not use a BPA lining, and Jovial has all their beans in glass, which is even better. So they're both doing it right. But 
the beans at the drive-through to get your bean taco is one of the biggest mischief makers known to mankind. Plus, that taco is either going to be made out of corn or it's going to be made out of wheat flour. And both of those are just the perfect lectin load that you can imagine. But wrap it in lettuce. Yeah. Very true. And speaking of corn, and we're talking about vegetables in general, let's talk about organic and this this big word organic that everybody uses. Everybody thinks, oh, if it's organic, it's good. Tell us about why that's not true. Well, first of all, we have to understand that the word organic can apply to a lot of very toxic things. For instance, arsenic is organic. And I think no one would recommend having organic arsenic. Cocaine is all organic. Uh, Heroin is all organic. Uh, So just because something is organic doesn't mean that it's good for you. What is important is that one of the things that people are going to learn about in, in my new book, The Energy Paradox, is our soils have been so depleted of vitamins, minerals, nutrients, the soils have a microbiome which has been destroyed. And so the food that we're eating today bears absolutely no resemblance to food of 100 years ago. In fact, uh, I love to show a slide to uh, physician groups that I speak to. And the slide says, uh, our soil is now so depleted of these essential nutrients that we could eat mass amounts of food grown in our soil and never get the amount of nutrition we need. And I ask people, okay, you know, when, I said, this is a U.S. Senate document. And when was this document in the U.S. Senate? And people go, oh, you know, um, 2000. And I go, nah. And they go, oh, yeah, okay, 1980. Uh, No, it was 1936 that this document was introduced. And we knew way back then that our soils bear no resemblance to what they should have. I'll give you a, a fascinating example from COVID. There's a paper, and some people know that we should take selenium to help protect us against COVID. And that paper came out of China, and there are some selenium-rich soils in China, and there are some selenium-poor soils in China. And this paper showed that people who lived in selenium-rich soil country in China had a much lower incidence of getting COVID than people who lived in the selenium-poor soils. So that's just one, you know, so this is a micronutrient. And by the way, you can get all the selenium you need by eating three Brazil nuts a day. That's all you need. Uh, Brazil nuts are a rich source of selenium. So long story short, organic is a great idea, but Organic wheat, organic corn, organic rice, organic tomatoes are just as lethal as their conventional variety. On the other hand, organic broccoli or organic sweet potatoes or organic cauliflower, you're much better off having that. But beware, I I can't tell you the number of people 
who have autoimmune diseases, who are eating organic and still have their autoimmune disease. And it's when we take away, tell them, no, you know, don't eat this stuff. Have all the other organic stuff you want, but stop eating this. And one of the principles of the plant paradox is, guess what? Nobody had these things 50 years ago. Autoimmune diseases were incredibly rare. And now, you know, 50, 90% of the ads on TV are for an autoimmune disease drug. Yeah. It's so fascinating how like we like had it right potentially. And then now we went backwards and we have it wrong and we have adverse side effects and and we're seeing that now. I was listening to one of your podcasts and to your point of the soil, you know, having no nutrients anymore. (laughs) I heard that you said that oranges have like 70% less uh, vitamin C than they did 50 years ago. And I've been noticing as I've been buying fruit lately that it doesn't taste like anything anymore that like I buy a peach and it barely tastes like anything, which is so interesting. So I definitely want to get your opinion on the supplements that we should be taking and why supplements are so important now. But I first want to talk about fruit because I know that you say give fruit the boot. So tell us why we should be giving fruit the boot. Because again, this is very unconventional advice. I've been always told that fruit is the candy of nature. You should eat as many fruit as you want. You can have as much as you want. And according to you, that's not true. So why is that? So again, um, fruit is not fruit anymore. I'll give you, it has been hybridized for sugar content. And that sugar in fruit is called fructose. Now, just so we all understand, sugar cane, what we consider sugar, table sugar, is a molecule of fructose combined with a molecule of glucose, and that makes sucrose. So table sugar is 50% fructose. Most people have heard of high fructose corn syrup, which it's not all that different from table sugar. It's 55% fructose and 45% glucose. So It's now in everything. So fruit, um, when I wrote my first book years ago, Dr. Gundry's Diet Evolution, one of the points of that book was that great apes only gain weight during fruit season. And my editors at Random House said, wait a minute, fruit is nature's candy, fruit's good for you, you should eat all the fruit you can. I said, yeah, but here's the deal. Even in the jungle, fruit only ripens once a year. And they go, what? And I said, yeah, great apes only gain weight during fruit season. And there's, they said, send us some papers. And there's actually an entire book on my shelf dedicated to the fact that great apes only gain weight during fruit season. Now, why is that? Well, it turns out fructose is actually an incredible mitochondrial toxin. So all of the guys who are having your energy fruit smoothie in the morning, you ought to realize that you're actually poisoning your mitochondria, the energy-producing organelles in all your cells. So fructose is actually not put into our circulation. It's absorbed directly into our liver, where it's detoxified into two things. One is triglycerides, which is fat. The second is uric acid, which causes gout and hypertension. And fructose, what isn't detoxified, actually paralyzes mitochondria. 
And if you look at the literature, fructose is the number one cause of fatty liver disease, which is an epidemic right now. It's a major cause of insulin resistance, which everyone will learn about in the energy paradox. So fructose we use to make triglycerides to store fat for winter. That's, believe it or not, why a bear eats all those huckleberries and blueberries in the fall to fatten up for the winter. And fun fact, we use the same metabolic system as a bear. So we, once upon a time, only saw fruit in the summer and early fall. And it was very useful for us because way back when there wasn't much food in the winter. So we followed that pattern as well. Now, what's happened in the last 50 years is two things. Number one, fruit has been hybridized for sugar content. A cup of seedless grapes has more sugar than a whole Hershey's bar, folks. It, yeah, it has about six teaspoons of sugar. And I can tell you what I'd rather have to eat. I'd rather have a Hershey bar. Don't eat that either. But my point is, this stuff has been changed. Uh, Let me give you a great example from this weekend. There is a chain of uh, high-end supermarkets in Southern California called Bristol Farms. They're competitors for Whole Foods. And I was in Bristol Farms in Santa Barbara this weekend. And as you walk through the front door, there's a huge display of apples, and they were honey crisp apples. And these apples are the size of grapefruit. And, you know, they're gorgeous and size of grapefruit. And then you go around, and there's this little bag, and it says, new, exciting, small apples. And I walk up to them, and I go, and the, the apple is about the size of what we now consider a crab apple. And my wife and I went, oh, my gosh, look. Those are what we used to eat as kids. That's what we used to grow in our backyard. And that apple would have about four bites, literally. And the Honeycrisp, first of all, the name ought to tell you something. Honeycrisp? Hmm, I wonder what that tastes like. That Honeycrisp, we held the apple up. That apple would make about mm, six Honeycrisp. And yet we say, oh, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Well, all the benefit of an apple is in the fiber and actually in the peel. The rest is sugar. And these things have been bred for sugar content. And your point is exactly right. Oranges have been bred for sugar content. Bananas have been bred to grow year-round. There's no bananas that used to grow year-round. Give you another example. We have a couple blackberry and raspberry bushes in our yard. And they produce for about six weeks, and they're they're done. Um, They stopped back in July, and we'll see them again next year in the end of May. I could go to the store, and I could buy raspberries and blackberries today that came from Mexico or came from Chile. And the fact that we can have fruit 365 days a year now makes it endless summer to our genetic program. And we are constantly storing fat for the winter that never comes. So that's why if you're going to eat fruit, eat it organic, 
eat it local and eat it in season. Otherwise, give fruit the boot. We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. I want to talk to all you employers out there and let's talk about company culture. At Yap Media, we have a super unique company culture. We are all obsessed with excellence and we even call ourselves this really cute name, Scrappy Hustlers. We're all Scrappy Hustlers at Yap Media. And my team is growing fast. And hiring is a pain in the butt, especially if you're looking for A players that are going to roll up their sleeves. But luckily, when it comes to hiring, I no longer feel overwhelmed by the search for the perfect candidate because I use Indeed, the ultimate hiring platform. Indeed's matching engine always presents me with a pool of high quality candidates that match my job description to a T. If you're tired of drowning in your hiring pool, Indeed is here to rescue you. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging your candidates, making the entire hiring process a breeze. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I've hired some of my best employees at Indeed, some of my best scrappy hustlers. With over 140 million qualifications and preferences analyzed every day, Indeed is constantly learning from your hiring preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets at actually hiring your perfect match. Join the ranks of more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that have already chosen Indeed to hire great talent. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash profiting. Just go to Indeed.com slash profiting right now to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash profiting. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Young and profiters, I've got a fun fact for you. Did you know that by 2030, over 85% of the jobs that will exist haven't even been invented yet? And that's why we need to acquire new skills and stay relevant and adaptable. By embracing lifelong learning, we can future-proof our careers and our businesses. That's why you've got to check out Economist Education. Economist Education provides online executive education courses tailor-made for professionals just like us, crafted by The Economist's own editors and special experts. Economist Education courses are designed to sharpen your professional skills in key areas like data storytelling, critical thinking, sustainability, and so much more. I highly recommend checking out The Economist Education course Business Writing and Storytelling. It's packed with valuable practical advice on how to inform and persuade through writing reports, social media, presentations, and beyond. The best part, these courses are online, flexible, and self-paced, lasting anywhere from two to six weeks. You're guided by expert tutors. You'll dive into a mix of videos, podcasts, texts, quizzes, and weekly assignments. Plus, you'll get a three-month digital subscription to The Economist to support your learning journey. Economist Education provides access to online forums where you can network with peers around the globe. In a world where knowledge is power, Economist Education empowers you to lead the way. Economist Education is an incredible way to stay ahead in business. And I've got a special offer to get you started. Get 15% off any course only available by going to my special URL, education.economist.com profiting, and then enter the promo code profiting at registration. This offer ends on March 31st, so don't wait. For 15% off, go now to education.economist.com slash profiting and use code profiting. Again, this ends on March 31st. If you want 15% off, you've got to go to education.economist.com slash profiting and use promo code profiting at registration. What's the alternative here? Because it's very scary to think 
that the soil is depleted, that fruit is not the same, that even if you eat fruit, you're not getting the nutritional value. It's mostly sugar. It has fructose. It's really bad for you. So what do we do instead? It's, it's pretty scary. Well, we should eat like our ancestors ate. And interestingly enough, uh, we, can, we can debate what the ancient diet was, but our ancestors ate a lot of tubers, I got to tell you. One of the things that made humans humans is the advent of fire and the harnessing of cooking. We were the only animal that could break down the cell walls of plants without bacterial help. And we were able to get a huge amount of nutrition that no other animal could get without fermentation by bacteria in their gut. The other thing that, so tubers actually were a huge part of our ancient diet. We ate a lot of leaves. And one of the things I try to remind people is that gorillas and chimps get most of their nutrition from leaves. And a gorilla eats 16 pounds of leaves every day. Now, uh, I've tried to do that. It's quite, it's an all-day event, and I, I can't do it. But the point is, a gorilla has, gets all its protein from leaves. In fact, the largest animals on Earth get all their protein from leaves or grass. And the idea that we somehow have to have animal protein for muscle growth it just flies against any logic. And there are, of course, some great vegan and vegetarian athletes who have shown that, amazingly enough, you do not need animal protein. Do I eat animal protein? Yes. Does my wife? Yes. Primarily, we eat wild shellfish and wild fish, and it's usually on the weekends. We eat mostly vegan during the week, and we have for years and years. And I think there actually are some benefits to eating wild fish and particularly wild shellfish that we'll get into in another one of my books, but not today. (laughs) Cool. Okay. So last question on plant paradox, and then we're going to move into your new book, Energy Paradox. So uh, we were just talking about meat. I want my listeners to understand why you say we are what our food eats. Can you explain that concept to us quickly? Yeah. So, and My patients have taught me this. So you are what you eat, but you are what your thing you're eating ate. And so if you feed a chicken organic corn and organic soybeans, so you have an organic chicken, that chicken is not a chicken. It is an ear of corn with feathers. And uh, I actually learned this in England uh, when I was uh, training there. Way back in the 80s, there was so much fish meal that chickens were fed ground-up fish. And chickens had pale flesh that smelled like fish and tasted like fish. And my kids, we took them to Kentucky Fried Chicken for the first time over there. They go, oh, this is fish. And we go, no, 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 look, you know, here's a drumstick. They said, no, it's fish. And they were right because the chicken had become what it was eating. And here's the scary thing. Uh, Don't believe me. If you look, uh, corn has a specific carbon configuration. It's called a C4 carbon molecule. You can do analysis of Americans and 70% of all the carbon atoms that make us us are corn. 
carbon atoms. 5% of Europeans are corn carbon. That's because almost everything we eat has been fed corn or came from corn. And here's the really scary thing. None of us ever ate corn until 500 years ago when Columbus, you know, came to America and started bringing corn back. This is incredibly modern food that we have no adaptation for genetically. And yet 70% of us are now corn. Ah. And don't get me wrong, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, the corn huskers. Uh, you know, I... <laughs> I love so, corn. I, I eat popcorn every night. I'm probably 90% oh, corn. Please, <laughs> please don't do that. Change to sorghum popcorn. It'll change your life. It'll, believe me, get, some, get yourself some sorghum popcorn. Sorghum and millet have no lectins. They're phenomenal. Mm, good to know. Okay, so let's move on to your new book. It's called Energy Paradox. It comes out in March 2021. And a major theme in your book is the fact that leaky gut syndrome can cause fatigue. So can you give us some context into what leaky gut syndrome is? And then also like what this new book is about? How is it different or more enhanced than the plant paradox? So we have an epidemic of fatigue and tiredness uh, in this country. And it's it's reaching into young people, people in their 20s and their 30s. And it's not just because you have two kids and they're driving you crazy. It's because of leaky gut. And if you had asked me 15 years ago what I thought about leaky gut, I would have told you it's pseudoscience. But now I can tell you that all disease begins in the gut. Now, why does fatigue begin in the gut? And it's because when you have a leaky gut, you have not only lectins, but actually bacterial particles that get across the wall of your gut. And 70 to 80% of your immune system lines your gut. And your immune system is designed to recognize foreign invaders and attack them. And your immune system requires huge amounts of energy. And we will divert energy to our immune system at all costs. Just as an example, think about the flu. When you get the flu, you feel like crap. You don't want to move. You're achy. You just want to lay there. You don't even want to do anything. That's because your immune system has actually diverted all of your energy resources to fighting the flu virus. And so you're supposed to feel awful and have no energy because it's all been take rationed. What's happened to all of us now is we have chronic, continuous, low-grade inflammation. And so all of our energy resources, unbeknownst to us, have been diverted into this chronic low-grade inflammation that stems from leaky gut. And the book is all about, okay, here's why you got it, and here's what we're going to do about it. And it's a six-week process, and we'll seal your leaky gut and get your energy back. Yeah. And I hear all the time that people are tired and they think it's because they're busy or they think it's because I feel like they have all excuses in the book as to why they're tired and they think it's normal. Is it normal to be tired? No, that's the problem. Um, in restorative medicine, we call people like that the walking well. They figure that tiredness is a part of being normal. Now, i just give you an example. I'm, I'm now you know, I've turned 70 this summer. I work seven days a week 
I'm supposed to be retired. I'm supposed to be at the retirement center having a great time. So the idea that we should be tired, you know, at 30 because we're busy and, you know, we have all these commitments, that's been fed to people to cover up the fact that there's something really wrong. And we have to come to grips that fatigue is actually a sign that's trying to get our attention that there's something actually pretty doggone wrong. And if we don't get control of it early, that's when, oh my gosh, gosh, I've got prediabetes, or gosh, I've got high blood pressure, or gosh, I've got arthritis, or gosh, my brain, I, I've, I can't remember things as much as I did anymore, but heck, I'm 40 now, and that's normal. It's mm. not. So interesting. Thank you so much. Uh, the last question I ask all my guests is, what is your secret to profiting in life? Oh, that, I started the show with that. Do what you love and love what you do. And particularly now during COVID, look, this is the ultimate opportunity to, okay, things, maybe, maybe you don't have a job. Maybe the job isn't doing what you want to do. This is the time. If there was ever a time to do what you want to do, and it's going to take some work, you're probably going to suffer, but it'll pay off because your happiness is worth more than all the money there is. I totally agree. I totally agree. Once you follow your passion, life is just so much more fulfilling, so much happier. So I can totally agree with that. Um, and where can our listeners go to find more about you and everything that you do? So they can, uh, I have a podcast, the Dr. Gundry podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, you can go to drgundry.com. You can go to my uh, supplement line, gundrymd.com. Two YouTube channels. You can find me on Instagram, Stephen Gundry. Uh, if I don't pop up on your inbox someplace when you're searching, I've not done my job properly. <laughs> yeah, he's everywhere. And we'll stick all his links in the show notes and uh, some more additional information uh, so you guys can find out more about the plant paradox. So thank you so much, Dr. Gundry. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. 